Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute. I'm Lois Holzman, co-founder and director of the Institute, and I want to tell you where our title comes from. The Institute is a center for social change efforts that reinitiate human and community development. We support, connect, and partner with committed and creative activists, scholars, artists, helpers, and healers all over the world. Way back in 2003, Institute co-founder, the late Fred Newman and I, had a paper published with the title, All Power to the Developing. This phrase captures how vital it is for all people to grow, develop, and transform emotionally, socially, and intellectually, if we are to have a shot at creating something positive out of the intense crises we're all experiencing. Our hope is that this podcast series will show you that far from a slogan, all power to the developing is a loving activity, a pulsing heart in an all too cruel world. Welcome to this episode of All Power to the Developing, where we're going to hear all about the unique program developing across borders. I'm Lois Holzman. I'm your host for this episode, and I am thrilled to bring you five amazing, interesting global voices, all of whom are in developing across borders groups, which are virtual international activities that focus on emotional and social development and community building. I am going to let each of them introduce themselves, but I will just tell you who's here. Morgane, Juan, Mary Amalia, Leah, and Stephen. Welcome, welcome to this podcast. Uh, Morgana, would you start us off and say who you are, where you are, and why and when you joined Developing Across Borders? Hi, Lois. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. So, yeah, I'm uh, Morgane Masterman, originally uh, French and British and now living in Portugal for 10 years. And I'm an intercultural youth worker uh, since uh, 2013. Um, I've also been an activist most of my adult life uh, for different causes. And I joined um, Developing Across Borders just over a year ago in May 2019. And it's been a, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> Thank you so much. And Mary Amalia. Hi, everybody. My name is Maria Amalia. I'm in Costa Rica. I'm microbiologist and I work for the National Health System. Uh, for me, uh, being part of, of this is um, find a way to develop in group. Uh, just not individual develop, uh, develop, but group develop. Thank you. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> uh, Leah, tell us about you. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm so happy to be here. 
Um, my name is Lea and I was born and I grew up in Serbia, where I am right now as well, accidentally. Um, I have also lived all over Europe. And um, I met the Institute, I think, around 10 years ago when um, some friends um, had the experience of the international class that, that then I really wanted to have myself. And I had it some seven years ago where I first got introduced um, to many of the projects that the Institute organizes and does. But I also had this experience of being part of um, seeing the groups in practice. Yeah. And uh, that's when I remember thinking, I'm going to both be in groups and I'm going to both lead these groups once. And then um, I met Barbara Silverman, who uh, suggested to some of us in the international class to organize a group. And we started one six years ago and I'm still in it. And uh, that was my journey. And um, other than that, I also work as an international trainer and educator in non-formal education. And um, I work in creating intercultural environmental um, situations for people. Great, thank you. Uh, just to let people know some of the things that you're saying, Barbara Silverman is a very, very gifted and experienced uh, social therapist and she's on the Institute faculty. And in that capacity, she began, as Leia said, six years ago, to ask people if they would like to continue doing a emotional and social support group uh, virtually. And uh, Leia was one of the pioneers and stepped up and said yes. And uh, at the moment, I believe there are four groups running. There's more than 30 people in them. Uh, there's other people being trained and um, our um, assistant director, Melissa Meyer, is also uh, leading developing across borders groups and there are several more in the work. So if you're interested, I will make sure that at the end of this podcast, I give you a contact uh, so that you can find out more about it. Um, yes, Juan, let's hear from you. Hello everyone and thank you. Uh, I'm very thankful to be here with all of you. Yes, uh, my name is Juan David Garzon. Um, I'm originally from Colombia. Uh, and as Leia, been living in many different countries for the last eight years. And I am a musician, uh, music educator, and I do uh, work as trainer and facilitator for different projects across Europe and uh, South America. And uh, I started in uh, one of the social therapy groups, also led by Barbara Silverman, two years ago, almost two, two years ago, after my first PPLG conference, the Play, Perform, Learn, Grow conference, the first one in Greece, in Thessaloniki. And after seeing one of the social therapeutics interventions at the conference, I was very intrigued and actually by one of the of the persons that one of the one of one person that was involved in the group in one of the groups uh, he was telling me more about it and I was very intrigued and took contact actually also with Barbara Silverman and started my my journey in one of these uh, developing across borders groups. Thank you Juan. 
And uh, Stephen, tell us about you. Hi, Lois. Hi, everybody. Thank you for inviting me and happy to be here. Uh, so my name is Stephen and I live outside New York City. Uh, and I, for the last 30 plus years, I've been doing corporate education and uh, training leadership and managers um, in, uh, in businesses around the world and um, had been in therapy in many different forms for a long time and uh, considered myself a seeker. And I guess about eight or nine years ago, I, I stumbled onto, uh, by doing a web search on group dynamic uh, development or group dynamic training, uh, I, I stumbled onto the Eastside Institute website and I called and talked with Melissa Meyer, who you mentioned before. Uh, and she said, this is a postmodern view of uh, therapy uh, and of uh, social activism and of um, performance-based um, growth. And I thought, wow. And so I went to a session of something and then to another. And then over the last, I guess, um, what I say, seven years, I've been a developing a cross-borders group with uh, Melissa and with, um, with Barb Silverman. And it's been, um, it's been markedly different and markedly more meaningful to me than the previous therapy um, efforts that I did before. Not that they weren't valuable, but there's something about working with people on your own development live with others uh, and not getting psychological, but getting supportively, inquiringly uh, thoughtful about what you're doing and what decisions you're making and how you feel about yourself and things like that. And I just started learning a whole bunch and it's been, um, it's added a lot of momentum to my life. Great, thank you, Stephen. We're gonna pick up on some of the things you said. Um, so our listeners may wonder what you mean by not getting caught up in psychology. Okay, since we're talking about emotional and social development, and the first thing that people think about in that regard is psychology. So how does the work you're doing in developing across borders not help you not get caught up in psychology? And what in the world does that mean? Uh, uh, Leah. That is a very good question. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I often ask myself the same <laughs> and I often don't know the answer. And one of the things I've learned throughout this journey with all of you and the groups is that it's really okay when you don't know and it's really um, difficult to be in the unknowing and yet it's very valuable. And um, I guess that's one of the parts of how the groups are not about psychology. Um, although, I don't know, it's, it's usually a very big mix of everything, yeah? Um, and uh, there is something about, I don't know, I used to not like the word philosophizing, but then I learned to embrace it and to um, re-evaluate it for myself or to give it another meaning uh, because I started experiencing the philosophizing we do mm. and uh, which in the maybe most clear sense I could explain is um, being very curious looking at things from a lot of different angles I often 
say that for me, the group is like I'm sitting in a room full of mirrors and that in every other form of self-development, you can kind of hide or manipulate, but there is, you can't do that with the group. You, you are in a, in a room full of mirrors and things just get seen from so many different angles. And this philosophizing that we do, that where we, where we are curious with each other in a very caring, but yet very radical and very direct way, um, where we are very demanding of each other, yet very loving and very supportive, and where these environments get created, um, and where we um, yeah, don't allow each other to indulge in this um, why things are the way they are more than it's helpful for us to go further. Mm. So, yeah. It's so interesting to me because what I'm hearing, and you all can tell me if I'm, I'm on the right track, is that psychology, what you're doing in philosophizing is exposing and engaging and creating new meanings for some of the assumptions that we all have and carry with us about what it is to be a self, what it is to be a person, what, what the other is, things like that, what an emotion is. And that the thing that's fascinating to me about this is that you're doing that with the cultural assumptions that you each bring in because you're from different countries and different cultures. So that might've been too big a question or a topic for you to address. And if so, you can break it into two pieces. Is, is philosophizing, do you see it the way I do as the questioning of an examining and exposing the assumptions of a psychological worldview? And what does that look like in your groups? And the second part was we're from different cultures and different cultures have different, if you will, popular psychologies. So you have different things that are assumptive. And how does that look in the mix of the group so that part one part two and you could take part two before part one i don't really care whoever wants to um jump into this and i'm looking at you our listeners cannot see you but if someone raises their hand i will has taken the first step stephen um yeah it's a great uh way of framing philosophizing uh, that you just did, I think, Lois, in terms of exposing new meanings. And Leah, I appreciate you, you making that distinction about philosophizing versus psychologizing. Because um, it doesn't, I mean, I had to learn what we meant by philosophizing, because uh, it's not academic uh, or, or uh, theoretical as much as it is, as you were saying, Lois, a, a method of asking questions and sharing meanings uh, with a particular emphasis, I would say, on the, on the present and the future. So one of the things that um, does differentiate it from different forms of therapy that are really informed by Freud and analysis and introspection and all of that stuff, which is, can be very rich and fascinating and useful, um, what I've found particularly liberating is the, that we're not just we're just not talking about the past much. We just didn't talk about. I mean, I I really wanted to rat through my story with people, uh, and and th they talked to me about how meaningless that was, or how useless that was, and how I was bigger than that and different than that 
from the philosophizing, from the inquiring point of view, as you're describing. So it was a process of discovering for myself about, oh, I'm not my past. I'm not, you know, that doesn't contain me. That doesn't limit me. That doesn't uh, define me, only if I let it. Uh, and so that's, for me, has been what philosophizing has been about. And just the other, th on part two, if I may, that, um, I found universals and real particulars at the same time. I'm always getting across the cultures that we're working with, uh, that are working with, that we're working within. I'm always getting reminded about my, my particularity, so to speak, my own way of looking at things, which is not up until that moment general and known and obvious, and as you say, assumed. It's, oh, that's my way of seeing something and not the way of seeing something. Um, so that, so the uniqueness of the cultures really comes through in our conversations. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that with Thank about, you, Steve. about a cultural exposure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mary Amalia. Yes. Uh, I want to say that the philosophical way of global therapy, uh, I find a way to to understand others in a practical way in an everyday situations, uh, taking care of our difference, no? Understanding why we are different and accepting that difference to grow together, to make things possible in the everyday life. Mm. So I really love the practical way of global therapy. Can you or someone else give an instance of the practicality? Yes, like how how can we deal with people that doesn't think the same as us, or, or doesn't like the same things that we like, or doesn't want the same things in life as, as, as we do? How can we deal with that? How can we find a way to work uh, together besides that and okay. if I can yes. build on that um, I think one thing I really appreciate in group is building things with people I would not have met otherwise people who are way older than I am who live in other places who come from a completely different background and probably in another space we wouldn't engage in a deep conversation and in this case and sometimes we don't even like each other <laughs> i mean luckily most of most of us like each other i think in our group but it can happen that you don't really like that person and you still will show unconditional radical love and support for that person and that to me is so um well yeah radical and i was when you asked the second part of the question about the cultures i was um, remembering my beginnings in, in group and well I'm an intercultural worker I come from a bicultural family so I thought I was okay with uh, embracing interculturality and I think my biggest culture shock ever was when I started group <laughs> um, but not I mean I really not with the different cultures that were there but with how we dealt with that and how there was space for everyone to be there, regardless of who you are and where you're coming from and which assumptions we have, but also how we acknowledge them and bring them into the conversation without letting them 
trap us. And I, it's a really particular way of playing with the different levels of who we are, how others see us, who we want to be. And it, um, it, it, it's quite, it's a language in itself. It's a culture in itself almost. So. Interesting. Thank you. I, I'm thinking about the, um, how people often will think that assumptions are like really bad things and you, you shouldn't have any. <laughs> um, and they don't think of it as, as they don't think of assumptions as wonderful building blocks to play with, to explore, to, to have others point out to you that you might have that and you didn't know it. And then everything like that is in the mix because it's, I don't think human beings can get rid of making assumptions. Um, so I liked what you're saying and I, I, I get a picture of it. Um, I was thinking that you'd have to be, the group members, you and others, would have to be kind of listening in a different way than we usually do in order to accomplish what you've saying you're, you accomplish in your groups. And I was wondering, Juan, if you could speak to that a little bit, uh, especially as a musician, you're very tuned into listening. And I, I'm just so curious as to what you think about as you're learning to listen in a new way. Thank you, Lois, for that question. Actually, listening is for us musicians the number one tool of communication. And that is actually how we learn to, to craft our art form, so to say. And when we, when we perform music, we listen at the same time that we express our own voice. It's, a, it's something that happens at the same time. In, it is in a, in a synchronized way. And I think it, it actually has a lot to do with the dynamics of our group work, our social therapeutics. In my case, actually, I, I am actually, I believe that I am more of a listener uh, character in our group dynamic. And sometimes I feel actually that I have a very, that, that I have a, um, let's call it like that, that I, I'm not so, I don't have an ease at expressing my emotions through spoken word mm. because I've learned, or that's actually how I developed in my early years, how to express myself, but more on a, on a sound base. So so for me, I have I, I am actually constantly um, having this this inner conversation about how can I better express myself with words and with a with a language with a structure of the language, and that is for me very difficult. And actually, in a uh, a couple of months ago, we engaged on an activity, a group activity in which we would open up to the public and uh, construct or build a group poetry exercise that we would be able to share with others so that others could understand the dynamics of the group. 
And for me, it was always a challenge how to bring my own ideas into, into spoken language. It was for me always better or easier. It is, it is my, my, yeah, my line of action to speak with music or speak with sound. And this is something that, that is a challenge for me in, in the group. And I'm learning with the help of others how to better express my emotions by actually talking. Because I notice, and the group has helped me to notice and to be more aware about my own uh, challenges and flaws, or maybe it's not a flaw, but it's something that it's hard for me to do. Is anyone here today in group with you? Yes, actually, Leah and Morgan are oh. members of my of of my of my weekly group, and oh, I think they both understand very well what I'm saying. Yes, but I'm also liking to think back on times when we, together with you, invited you to express yourself in playing. And we would sometimes have Juan just improvise for us instead of speaking. And that's another part of the groups that I really, really enjoy, that we often play in very creative ways and use a variety of methodologies to express ourselves. And often that's very helpful um, and it makes the bridge between saying what you think or mean that can be quite challenging at times and limiting. Interesting. Morgana, you want to, do you have anything to add to that from your experience in the group? Yeah, I was thinking on, um, when Juan said, was talking about the role that he has in the group, and I was um, thinking about what I learned when uh, Barbara Silverman started a drop-in group, uh, an extra group, um, when the pandemic uh, started. And she felt there was a need for more, uh, more group work. And uh, I, I joined this group and then I realized I didn't have to have the same role in that one. So I was also thinking how we don't have to always be the same person inside the group and we group is also a space to try out different roles and um, and how this collective activity uh, doesn't have to always look the same so I, I guess I was mm. I was thinking about that and for me I tend to or I used to mark presence by speaking <laughs> a lot um, and and in the Tuesday group I learned to be more silent be more Juan like <laughs> in the in the group and how precious that is also how valuable it is to have spaces to experiment with the different versions of ourselves and how we learn by being different uh, roles with with others yeah I love what you're saying but the the there's so few um, environments where we have the opportunity to try out different ways to be and feel and see because uh, once you're in one it, it solidifies so so quickly whether it's a workplace or a therapy group or a school classroom or or some online something I don't know at this point in our in our um, planet's uh, health and so that sounds like a wonderful wonderful thing um, 
Yeah. It sounds very complex. Is that, is that, you know, like you're going back to what Steve said earlier on, he said, I heard it was a postmodern blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm thinking that, that um, one of the things about postmodernism, again, again, for our listeners who may not be familiar, but, and Leah said something about not knowing that you, the idea is in a, in a nutshell that, that the, everything is socially constructed, our ideas of what it is to be a good person, a bad person, our, of what anger is, where does it reside, of who is the other, and how we understand our relationship between, for example, our mind and our body, or ourselves and the planet, or one nation state and another nation state, et cetera, et cetera, that those are the way we have modernism, if you will, the time from the 1600s to now um, has, has organized all of that as fixed and knowing and predictable. People know it, know that as well as they know biology, which it's not even clear people know, the scientists know biology that well, but we'll leave science alone for a minute. That and postmodern challenges that. So everything that you've been saying, in a way, is how do we know what we know? Um, how do we listen in a different way? There's not just one way to listen. Who is the other? And maybe I learn more about myself through other people rather than my listening to my inner voice, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that sounds to me like you are in some very practical ways learning to embrace complexity the complexity and uncertainty of the world. And uh, Mary Amelia, it looked like you're going to say something. Yeah, when I was hearing Juan, and I was thinking that it was very different from for myself, because uh, in Spanish, I'm a person that used to talk a lot. <laughs> so when I go into the group and I have to speak in another language, um, I'm forced to listen more and to analyze more and to go deeper in the things that people are saying, not just judging. So I think that is part of the complex. Like I come with my things and I got this opportunity to bring the things of the others in my life. Mm. No? So it's not just a superficial thing of, therapy you know it's a really deep uh, work and for me one of the complex part is to build together how can we imagine each other in the in this big dream of having something in common um, something to go for it and how from the place where uh, everyone is it can give something to the rest. Mm. That is a, a, a very complex thing and, and, and a very interesting thing of, of, of the therapy. What you can give to others and how can you receive that to build something. Wonderful. Interesting, complex, um, 
Morgana, and then I wanted to ask Steve to comment on that too. Go ahead, Morgana. I, I really love um, what you said about complexity because I was going in, a com in another direction altogether. And I think that's one of the, it's a good illustration of what you were saying. And I think when I think of complexity in the group, it brings me more to not trying to solve things. I, I have a very problem, I had a very problem solving type of approach to therapy. And I think that was the, until now, the most difficult and yet the most important lesson I, I got from group was we don't have to solve things. We can just be in them and be with them together and, um, that to me is very complex and maybe a, a concrete example is um, making decisions together one thing i learned in group was how to make decisions together without having to agree on what the outcome should be or agree on what perspective but just take all of that and be with all of that and maybe not even make a decision in the end <laughs> um, but just be okay with the the definition of the outcome, if that makes sense. Granny, when you say that, do you mean that someone might say, I, I have to make a decision on what job to take or um, how to help my mother who is sick and, and the group then discusses it? Is that, is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it could be, um, I, yeah, I don't know if I should accept this job or during the pandemic, it was also about how do I decide to leave my home for the first time in weeks or how do I decide uh, how to organize my life? How do I, um, I don't know, there were a lot of, I'm thinking of a lot of different situations yeah. of very small and very big decisions. Uh, and in the end, all of them can be really helpful to bring to the group. And even lately, we had the decision um, of leaving group uh, for someone in our group. And that was also something I didn't think we could do together. And it was really, really powerful to mm. explore that. Thank you. So Mary Amala spoke about being giving to the group. Everyone has something to give to build it. And... We were just talking about asking the group for help with, in this case, decisions. So Steve, how do those, do those go together? Do they conflict? What's that like? I'm so glad that uh, Mary Malia is here because she always uh, instructs me. Um, we're in group together on Sundays and um, I'm, I'm just reminded, I, I appreciate this whole conversation because I'm just reminded of the word that you're saying, uh, complexity, uh, Lois, which is, um, you know, richness, certainly, because there's, um, there's the different cultures we were talking about and the, the fact of different cultures and, and the, the vision that people have amongst each other in, in the group with each other of of how we're so much bigger than we might think we are or we presented ourselves. And, you know, in group therapies that I've been in before, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of focus on um, fixing my problems and releasing me from my past and trying to get, um, you know, just trying to, 
just a lot of attention and focus and intensity on my story and what I'm doing and whether I'm doing it right or not and how much I need help or, and um, it's really been a cultivating experience for me of, of pulling, pulling me out of that, that place where I put my attention on my own thing so deeply and didn't include others and didn't, and didn't make, and didn't give my attention to them in a way that was building of a community and building of our relationship. I mean, I thought I had to kind of do me first and then, then they would, then I could work with them. But just making a jump to focusing on others and listening to others um, has made it simpler for me to be me with them, if that makes sense. How does that, anyone, Steve or anyone, how does that help you develop emotionally? What you just described, how does that help you develop emotionally? I love to feel support by my group. And right now that is a very important thing in my life. I know I got them, not physical, but in my life, I got them, and that's a really important thing to go on with all this crazy war and this crazy thing we are living. I know I got my group supporting me and holding my back, and that's really important thing, mm. emotional thing. Thank you. I was also thinking about what you said about sounds so complex and it does it it's complex and it's not like there is something that happens parallel and I was also thinking how explaining it gets very complex <laughs> because and I've been doing that recently a lot and I always make like an hour-long monologue and then I at the end I have no idea what I said but I was thinking how this is often very much because it's so experiential like there is something so experiential about this um, where things kind of get organized by the activity of doing it and it gets really pragmatic and very concrete and very supportive as Maria Mala was saying uh, like in my experience the group was often very practically with me like I had difficult tasks at work that I couldn't complete and people would organize and work with me day and night and help me finish them. Or I would have horrible anxiety in the morning and couldn't pick myself up and somebody from the group would always call me in the morning and make sure to speak with me and support me in my day. And we did this for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. There is this like belonging and community, but also very pragmatic way of, of getting support uh, and, and help from the group that's somehow yeah mixed in into all these uh, other things we were saying. And, uh, and that's also very, I don't know, big and important and, and difficult to hold, but so precious. Yeah, I think you just gave a wonderful description of one aspect of complexity you know and that all of life is like that i think but but you are you are making it the 
it sounds like what you're doing in your groups is is including all of that. Um, well, so much of what we do is very exclusionary. You know, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's either this or either that. And so what you're saying sounds so big and little, or as I like to say, mundane <laughs> and, and uh, magical and huge. Ordinary. At the same time. One what? Ordinary. Yes. Very ordinary and very extraordinary at the same time. Right. Um, as we are about, we're wrapping up, I would like to give each of you an opportunity to say something to our listeners, anything we haven't touched on that you want to say that you said, I should, I should have said that before and I didn't just, um, Let's, let's close it up by opening it up. Stephen, yes. Yeah, I just think it's one of the things that it's important. I, I want people to understand about this, this form of work is that it is really important now, it, I think, for the people who want to really know what it is to be a citizen of the world uh, and to be a citizen in your own you know, community and in your own neighborhood and with your family but also to be a citizen and to be civil with um, as broad a, a, a net as you can cast. And um, social therapy has really matured me in the direction of, of what it is to be a, a citizen of the world. I, I would like to add to, to what Steve just says that uh, Global therapy shows me that it's possible to build with people that are really different to us. That that kind of war is possible in a very changing uh, world. Uh, we can get together and build things together. I um, always think of this sentence that in different ways was said in different uh, places in our community, but describes it so well, like creating a heart in a humanless world. Mm. That's really how it feels like radically loving. I don't know, it, it's um, very simplified, but it's um, very often what we are doing. And I think I, I wanted to add one thing that I'm not sure uh, transpires in what we've been saying. And it's that it's really fun. <laughs> Um, that it's really a good time. It's a moment in my week that I look forward to. Um, and sometimes it's really, really deep and intense and difficult and frustrating. And sometimes it's so joyful and, uh, and silly and playful. And often in the same session, it's all of those things. Um, and I think that's one of the things that surprised me the most also was how much space there is for humor, for not taking ourselves too seriously, for uh, yeah, laughing together and being creative about how we do it in a way that's pleasant. Uh, I, it might sound small, but it's so important also to be able to laugh at uh, sadness and anger and difficult things and to... Yeah, I think not take it too seriously is, is maybe the, the way that, what I like about it, because that helps us find different ways of being too. My last words about the whole reflection 
that Lewis and Stephen were saying is that it is also about confronting your own comprehension or of, of things, of the world, uh, through the vision of others. You have the, also the opportunity to debate with yourself, to confront yourself and the vision that you have and and others and by this deep listening and also what Morgan was just saying about how sometimes it can be really um at how sometimes it can be really deep and and intense uh, it can also also make you confront your the own views of the world and maybe this also has a lot to do with what Stephen was saying about how we really become citizens of the of the world because we are we become more aware of our own culture of our own of our own background when we hear others and acknowledge them and maybe we defer deeply with them or we don't agree or we do agree but we can also be in the same room as Maria Amalia was just saying. Uh, we can be this, in the same room with very different people and, and still build something together. Thank you all. This has been an education for me. I've loved uh, talking with you. Um, and it's also been a treat to bring you all together to talk to each other uh, across borders and time zones. Um, to our listeners, thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you are interested in learning more about developing across borders and its growth across the country, and if you'd like to uh, consider joining one of the groups, please contact Melissa Meyer at her email, mmeyer, M-M-E-Y-E-R, at eastsideinstitute.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear you, see you, and um, get your feedback on this podcast. And I hope you listen to others in the future. Thanks so much.